Welcome back to the Final Whistle Podcast. Time you run! Welcome back to the Final Whistle for the final regular game of the season. Tonight we will recap round 24. We have a normal uh, round the ground segment. Uh, we will preview round 25, but we also have an interview with Ben Ross. Fifey, how are we, mate? What caught your eye in round 24? Mate, I'm great. Sun's out, shining. What caught my eye in round 24? And, you know, back end of the seasons with all these retirements and whatnot, you know, you see the sentimental part, the good part of the rugby league where players are clapped off and, and uh, also you know, running out on, on their home ground for the last time. Although he couldn't, uh, there was two retirements that I that I saw on Thursday night. Well, Scott Bolton was one, and Matt Scott was the other, and Scott Bolton did the noble thing and vacated the jersey for uh, Matt Scott's wife and kids to walk that out into one three hundred Smiles Stadium. So that was a, a sentimental one. As we know, you know, Matt Scott had a stroke the other week after the Newcastle game and wasn't fit enough to be able to be at the ground, but his wife and his kids walked his jersey on, so that was good. And then, you know, Ben, uh, not the other one, uh, Paul Gallen, even though he lost, he got chaired off by the uh, by the players and the Raiders actually stuck around and formed the guard of honour as he walked up the tunnel. So stuff like that at this time of the year for the uh, elder statesmen of the game, it's it's one of the best things to see. We'll call you all right, mate. Five field goals in one game. <laughs> um, Sharks versus the Raiders. Um, well, at least you know, at least going into the finals, finals uh, game of the, the round, they maybe need to practice them. But going into um, into the final series, at least both sides are, are well equipped. You know, in soccer, they they say they don't practice penalty shootouts, but um, I'm assuming that most sides do in regards to that. So. Um, that's us. Well, uh, round twenty-five. It's generally you generally have about three or four teams vying for that eight spot this year it's uh winner take all and it's just it's just great that it's actually you know the one game we don't have to watch two games to figure out who's going to be eighth it's basically sharks win their their eighth tigers win their eighth all the other little mumbo jumbo stuff will muddle itself out within the top eight but as in the top eight itself mate it's a two or two p.m sunday afternoon like up blockbuster what happens if broncos lose and sharks and tigers draw and then the Bulldogs will sneak in, but I don't see that happening. No, Broncos fall out. Well, Broncos will fall out, but I don't, I don't see the Broncos. I don't see, I don't see, who's Broncos got this week? They lose the dogs? Nah, I don't see that happening. All good. That's the intro, guys. Stay tuned. We've got Ben Ross in the house. Tonight we chat with 2003 Premiership winner Ben Ross. Ben played 174 games for four clubs, Dragons, Penrith, Sharks and South Sydney from 2002 to 2013. Also represented his state on six occasions. Most importantly, he was crowned Sexiest Man in League in 2005. <laughs> Welcome to the final whistle, mate. Thanks for having us, guys. Mate, hey, what you doing with yourself now that you've retired? Uh, I'm doing a number of things. I'm trying to keep as busy as possible or go insane, but... Um... I, I run a few companies, but also uh, sitting in, as we speak now, uh, sitting at the Cronulla Sharks as a well-being and education manager of the academy squads. So I'm um, trying to keep involved in football. I've always had, it's always had a spot in my heart, so to give back to those younger fellows is going to be a good thing. So uh, a well-being and education um, manager, you spoke off-air. So what does that involve at the Sharks? So... Where it's a big emphasis that most players leave the game and they don't have support, they don't have the knowledge on how to further their career after football. So the NRL have implemented uh, wellbeing managers in every club where 
we sort of teach them the rights and wrongs, do as I say, not as I do, which I say to my boys. But um, yeah, we sort of we look after not only it's, it's pretty much everything off the field. So whether it's education, employment, uh, financial skills, whatever it may be, life skills, teaching them the right from wrong before they leave the actual game. It's it's, it's I suppose putting the guys in the right position that we don't have these guys on the on the welfare list after they finish their football career. So we're going to strip back a little. Obviously, we've seen you play. 11 seasons or so in, in the NRL. Where did you grow up and who was your first junior rugby league club? Yeah, so I, um, I was born in Chinchilla in Queensland and moved to Blackwater in central Queensland in a mining town and watched my dad play football actually and um, I never played. I, I was sort of, I was still a young kid then and my old man didn't really want me to play until I was 10. So we moved to the sunny coast and the first thing I asked him was, can I play rugby league? And he, uh, he was all, all for it and my first club was the Nambour Crushers. Um, quite funny that the competition that we're in um, also housed Casey Maguire and Chris Flannery, so, and we ended up playing Origin together later on in life. But yeah, so um, yeah, good breeding ground for footballers at the Sunny Coast. So you spoke of your dad. Where did he play and what position did he play? Well, obviously, back in the day, footy back then was totally different to it is now. Because obviously back then it was New South Wales and Queensland. Yeah, so, so he, he was just a local park footy boy, so played for the Blackwater Devils. And um, yeah, he was a centre winger, so still bloody ripped up. He's 73 years of age and he's shredded. I don't know where I get all my body fat from. <laughs> he's, um, yeah, he, he, was a, he was a pretty fast and, and very skillful player. So um, I can still remember, like as a kid, watching him and thinking how good he was. Yeah. Country boy. Yeah, country boy. Awesome. So tell us about the systems, you know, that you come through up there in Queensland. Uh, obviously, uh, country rugby league through there before, you know, you broke out in the NRL. Yeah, so, um, so I said I started the Nambour Crushers and it's, it was quite hard back then because if you weren't in the city where, say, the Broncos were or South East Queensland Crushers at that stage, you really didn't have an, uh, a pathway to make it. You actually had to try and make your rep teams to be noticed or whatever it may be. And the school that I actually went to, disagreed with rugby league, so the rugby union school, so I didn't get to play schoolboy footy to get noticed or anything like that. And in year 12, I think it was, year 11, year 12, I asked for a compensation to go to another, like, still be at my school, but go to another school to play rugby league for them to get noticed to make schoolboy representative. So I was quite lucky that I went through the systems and played the schoolboy footy and made the Queensland representative side, and that's where I sort of got noticed. And I was actually noticed by the Bulldogs first uh, at the 16th tournament or 17th tournament in Cairns and came down to uh, have a look around, which was pretty exciting for a country boy to be brought down in the Sydney in Super League era. So 97, uh, Bulldogs had everything, anything you could imagine. And we'll talk about Tong before, but like walked into their into their gear room and they said, what do you want? And I'm like, what do you mean? They said, oh, you can have boots, you can have shirts, you can have whatever you want. You can have it all because Super League and Nike pay for everything. So I walked out with kit bags <laughs> and went home and, and the old man said to me, the one thing you said to me when we went down there was, you weren't going to get stuck by the bright lights because I've always wanted to go to university. And he said, you've got one other option, which is the Dragons. And um, the Dragons actually gave me a contract in regards to my university degree. So they paid for my whole university degree and that's sort of the direction I went in my pathway. What did you study at uni? I went to health science at uh, Western Sydney. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So back then, was that included in your salary, or was that a yeah, separate? Yeah, so it, it was a different thing. Obviously, 
Uh, I don't think the Southern Council were really monitored back then, but uh, as players, you can either get financial help or whatever it may be. And uh, Dragon said to me, well, we're going to put you in with a family. So I lived with the coach for four years, and then they paid for my university degree. So I had to work to get spend the money or piss money, whatever you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> so 2002, you made your NRL debut against Melbourne Storm. How were you told? What do you remember of the game? And what was the week like? Okay, well, it's a, it's a funny story, and this is a story I, I tell most of my the guys that I work with, the 20 year olds and the 18s at the moment, is that when I was 19, yeah, 19, I was told that I was going to make, because Cowboys were just new in the comp, and you were going to debut. Whenever you are going to debut, you were going to go up against the Cowboys because they were the easy beats, and it was the easy one to blood you into it, and that's all it's about for you, is blooding footballers in on easier games. And they said, look, we'll blood you into the Cowboys game this year, and da da da. Next thing I did was dislocate my shoulder and had a shoulder operation. So I went through a whole rehab process when I was 19 to 20, thinking, oh, okay, well, I've got to reassess and do it all again. And I remember when I was about to turn, I was in the mid 20s, uh, Andrew Farrell was the coach at the Dragons, and he, he said to me, he came up to me, he goes, we're playing Parramatta, and I can remember it to this day, and he goes, Parramatta were the hardest team in the, in the reserve, reserve grade comp, and he goes, you get through today's game, you'll play the Cowboys next week. Just uh, did tore my ACL, um, <laughs> did my medial, all in, all in that game. So um, had to put it off for another year. But it was funny. That's when uh, Andrew Farron and Brownie was there at the time. They said, these are the hurdles that will teach you to be a stronger player and a more aggressive player and teach you that you won't take things for granted. And so did my rehabilitation under Andrew Gray, who's now a high-performance fellow here at the Sharks. And... Three games into the season, Brian Johnson, the late Brian Johnson, uh, God bless his soul, said to me, if you want to play first grade, you've got to, got to be aggressive. So when you go out there, the first tackle that you make, I want you to take a guy's head off, punch him, do whatever you have to do and show you're aggressive. So I um, went out, literally the second tackle of the game, I um, took a guy's head off, he stopped, tried to fight me, I punched him, <laughs> and moved on to the next tackle. So... Um, <laughs> Back, yeah, in, back so in the days. He, he called me then. Yeah, he literally called the sideline guy. I said, get him off. You're playing first grade next week. So, as you said, we've got to play Melbourne. Melbourne were these guys who were one of the scariest guys in the comp. Like they'd, they'd won a premiership. and uh, it, They likes of Rodney Howe, R- Robbie Kearns, those boys. So, as a front rower, as a young kid, you think this is going to be a tough initiation. And uh, I can't really... And, Funny you asked the question, what was like the week and all those kind of I think I've been knocked in the head too many times. To remember? Because I don't remember. <laughs> all I remember is that we got flogged by 40. And some of my best mates were in the other team laughing. <laughs> Do you remember who gave you jersey? <clears throat> no, back then they, they never no, did No that special thing. thing? Yeah, no specialty. So back then, and it's something rugby league does really well now. They make it a, a, a very big thing. But yeah, back then it was like, you're just playing first grade, welcome to the club, and that was it. Awesome. So you, you guys had a pretty stacked side. Cooper, Gaznia, Blacklock, Riles, Riddell, Lance Thompson, RIP for him. Sean uh, Timmons, Kaidi and that. What was it like training and playing with these guys? Absolutely amazing. Best grounding you could ever get as a rugby league player. Those boys, and, and, it's, and it's something I live today because I, I grew up, I was at Dragons for five years as a junior. So knowing these boys and seeing where they went and how they did it and they were phenomenal. And understanding, if you look at those names, some of those names you mentioned, half of them got stuck in reserve grade because there were better names in front of them. So all these guys became legends after the legends had actually left. So St. George were really good like that. And yeah, just a phenomenal feeling. Like, as I spoke about, it was more the coaching staff around it that really taught you like, the likes of David Boyle, our fitness trainer, and 
But one of his sayings he used to say to us is, drink hard, train harder. And that was the mentality he had. No matter how bad your lifestyle was, you get on the field and you just rip into the best of your ability. And I think that's why Dragons were so dominant through that era. Probably could have, uh, could have or should have won a few more premierships in that early stage of the merch. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's, it's one of the things that you look at 99 when they lost. And <clears throat> when I was coming through, and it was one of those things, you look at who was in front of you. And it's the state of origin representatives. You've just mentioned Australian representatives. They had a side that could beat anyone on their day. So 2003, uh, you signed up with the Penrith Panthers. Uh, how did this one come about for you? Uh, <clears throat> it was probably one that um, they say there's like a, a, a sliding doors moment. Um, as I said, I, I, most people know I'm a Penrith fan through and through. Love Penrith. Penrith till I die. I've even tried to breed it into my, into my son. I know my girls go for the sharks. <laughs> my son, he's two, so he doesn't know much better. So I just keep telling him Penrith, Penrith, Penrith. But... Um, and as I said, I was at Dragons for five years and I played eight games for the Dragons and I'd been going okay as a 21-year-old and they said, oh, time to renegotiate and they'd offered me a deal and it was lucrative and I saw who was in front of me, Luke Bales, Jason Rolls, all those kind of guys, and uh, Luke Bailey, sorry, and um, I sort of considered, I went, I really want to be a part of that team, I really want to be a part of the Dragons because I've been there for so long and I love the guys who are in it. Tom O, one of my best mates. Um... <clears throat> But then I had this moment where I went to my manager and said, mate, I love Penrith. The only reason I played football was because I wanted to be playing for Penrith. Like, I even had a patch of grass. I went to their field and stole a patch of their grass. <laughs> field, so, and grew it in my room. So um, it's one of these things. And I went to my manager and said, can you go and give John Lang a call and say, I want to go to the club? Call me back about a week later. And he said, oh, John Lang will take you. But for base wage, and you've got to prove yourself. He said... The lucrative contract you're on at the Dragons, you can give that up if you want to play football at Penrith. And I suppose that's history. I, I gave it up straight away. Um, I just saw a childhood dream. I always wanted to play for Penrith. So uh, saying that, like, people always chase money. And I, and I hate that now in rugby league. That, I know it's a business, but God, we grow up following a team. Like The biggest thrill in the world was running out for me for running out on the par Penrith Park in a Penrith jersey. In hindsight, yeah, it was a great decision. Obviously, in 2003, um, you guys went on to win the comp. Tell us about that Penrith side and that magnificent run uh, through the final series. Best group of fellas I have ever met and ever been associated with. Um, love them to death. But it was funny. You had a group of old guys that had been there and done that. Like lots of Scott Sattler, Colin Ward, Craig Gower, Gerds, Tony Pultua, Joe Nolivau, all... You name all these names there, all state, country representatives, but they'd been there, done that, and you had all this enthusiastic, enthusiastic young kids like the Luke Lewis's, the Joel Clemens, the Trent Waterhouse, the Luke Swains, that just wanted to play football. So having that, that group together, we bonded really well because of Scott Sattler, and I talk about this with my coaching staff on how to bond teams. Every Friday, no matter whether you drank or not, we all went back to the pub and spent time with each other. So training got called off early, and you got to drink, you had to drink water or soda water or beer, but it built the team harmony and a big, good culture that you always stick together no matter what. And throughout the year, I think we won 14 in a row, a club record, and then went through the semi-final series, and it was just a confidence thing. Like you, you talk to any of the boys then that we just knew that no matter if a team scored against us, we'd go and score another try. Like we had the likes of Reese Wesser, who could run 100 metres and change the game in a second. So... 
it, it was one of those exciting years, and, and you knew it. You knew it from the start. So when we started winning, the boys just had so much confidence. You mentioned uh, culture and obviously going to the pub and stuff. Obviously, footy's changed so much, you know, in the last fifteen years. These days, why why can't it be old school? Is there so much? Was there so much press involved? Or was there so much social media? Even though we're doing podcasts, sucks. Like it does. Like if I could be so explicit in, in my wording, which I can't because it's you know, involved footy, but <clears throat> it's ruined some of the cultures of footy. So now we look at different, and that, that's my role as well, being an ed. So we look at different ways to build culture within our teams, and it's whether it's spiritually, um, through family and relationships, those kind of things. But you do, and you don't hear on social media, but there are some clubs now, and I know for a fact. They still get the car and the drinks and put it in the sheds as soon as the cameras are gone. Yeah. The boys sit around and have a beer. And those guys have a better bond than any other team. Yeah, it's, uh, it's social media. It's great on one hand, but it's terrible on the other hand. And, yeah, you only have to see the Bulldogs, you know. They had the the, the, the Telegraph or whatever, or whichever journo was. It was 150 metres away with a massive lens taking photos of, a, of what should be a private, a, a private function. If it happens to sport, sprawl out in the streets... By all means, it's everyone's picking them. But if it's behind closed doors, it's you know, it's, Mad Monday's Mad Monday. Yeah, you know, yeah. oh, exactly it's, right. it stays there. <laughs> I think there was um, when I saw it on TV that night. I think it might have been Melbourne that had cans of. Oh no, it was the Raiders. I think after they beat the Sharks, had cans of beer mm. in the sheds. Ricky Stewart's one of those guys who builds great culture within the club. Like when Sticky was here coaching us, it was that same mentality. If you're going to drink and get on the piss as a team. You're going to get flogged as a team, and you're going to learn to do it right. So yeah, it's um it, depending on what coach wants to do what. Hundred percent. So you got yourself a tattoo, like a lot of most most players do yeah. get it. Yeah. Pride and joy. Pride and joy. So my old man kicked my ass when I did it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I told my grandma I was a bruise. She didn't have good eyesight, so, <laughs> so I'm grand that's um, it's a bruise, and she believed that. So, <laughs> but um <clears throat> yeah, so it's one of the things that it's funny when we won the grand final. That my time capsule from high school. Well, primary school came out, so you know how they put it away for yeah. 10 or 20 years. Came out just before the grand final, my mum got it, but she didn't tell me about it. And after it, I said, oh, I want to win a premiership with Penrith Panthers. Uh-huh. So it's on there, the drawing and all that kind of stuff, so pretty sentimental, and it's a thing. So. That's, that's Did you get a tattoo about Penrith? Yeah, Wicked kind of, uh, yeah, Wicked Ink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I remember it was just before Prezzo, and I remember the boys were all getting blind drunk even though you're not supposed to be but our presentation was coming up and we're all half mine's still not done like it was supposed to be coloured in more and we're like hey we've got to be in present on half an hour so <laughs> I, was taking a, I was taking a young girl down the day it was our first date we met on grand final night <laughs> <laughs> of course of course got that premiership rig it wasn't all fairy tales in the Panthers jersey day you were on the receiving end of a series of uppercut punches thrown from Gordon Tallis <laughs> what sparked this was something he said or something that you said to him um, well, Courtney sort of lays it out a bit in the sense that he was losing a lot of respect from a lot of players and, and those kind of things. He was looking for someone to bash that day. <laughs> it happened to be me, but I sort of brought it on myself. He, he egged me on a little bit, and he knew, he knew he'd pick me, and he tackled me, and he said, Rossi, you fat bastard, da 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 and really laid into me. <laughs> and when people start doing that, I, I start getting angry. So the next time I tackled him, I elbowed him in the throat, told him he was an old bastard, and give him a bit of stuff about his mum and everything else. And <laughs> I remember he, he stood up and he grabbed me and I looked at him and I was just like, oh, oh, no, shit. what have I done? <laughs> and the ref goes, break it up, break it up. And I'm like, okay, I'm out of here. And as I went to push him away, you see in the video, my hand bumps and hits him in the face. <laughs> he just pulls him out and goes, wow. 
So his first punch split, split me clean up. I was still at the scar for it. But then the next hundred, I reckon he threw, not one hit me. <laughs> yeah. So, which is good. And the boys actually laughed about it on the day. They put it in slow mo, and you can see his fist going in front of him. <laughs> oh, they, they, they didn't get me. At least you make the highlight reels of uh, when a lot of people, the old school, go, oh, bring back the biff. And you, it's always it's always Gordy and you. and Gordy and someone else. Gordy and someone else. Andrew then... John's getting knocked out in Origin. Yeah. yeah. So. And the other one that we're going to speak about a bit later on as well. <laughs> 2000, so obviously your great form continued in 2004. Uh, you got picked to make your Origin debut for Queensland. What did it mean for you and your family to wear, obviously, that magnificent Maroons jersey? Yeah, it meant everything to me. Like, you, you hear about guys saying it meant more to them playing for their state and their country. And for me, that was a stepping stone. I, I, that was really one of the things I wanted to do after winning the Premiership. And... I remember the day when Desi Morris actually called me. I was sitting at home at Penrith and I was on MySpace actually on the computer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's old school. Old school. <laughs> and then the mobile rang and it did, I didn't know the number. I answered and, that, and that way he was a, a Rossi. And I'm like, oh, hello. And he goes, it's Desi here. And I'm like, hey, mate. And I know Des really well from all the camps. And he goes, you better call your father and tell him you're playing Origin. And he just hung up. And that was it. So I rang my dad and I said, oh, Dad, I, th- I think you've seen the TV or the newspaper soon. Um, but I selected and he literally broke down. I'd never seen my dad cry before or heard, heard him cry. I was down through the phone. And yeah, it means the world. It's, um, I suppose for a parent and now being a parent myself is uh, all the work and effort you put into your kids to see something like that come through. And it, it was a dream. It was, it was one of those things that the pinnacle of rugby league, it, it's no, no better game, no more physical, faster game in the world. And... Yeah, loved every minute of it. Yeah. What was Origin Camps like different towards the being <laughs> 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 yeah, club? Well, Origin back then to Origin now yeah. is a totally different story. Totally, isn't it? Oh, no, take, no, like Brad Fittler, you know, getting your <laughs> bare feet out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember I, I panicked. Like, I remember first night in camp. I, well, first day in camp, they go, oh, we've got you a roommate. Here's your key. He's already up there. I walk into my room and Shane Wemke in a pair of undies. I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. Like, and he goes, oh, listen here, we're going to lay the rules down. I'm senior, you're there. So you get to spend the money every day. He said, every day I want you to buy me a can of Coke and a Mars bar out of your pay. I'm like, okay. You listen to your senior. Okay, okay. And so I ran down, got the first can of Coke and Mars bar and gave it to him. And he said, okay, now we're all going on the piss. And so we'd all go out and drink. And you, same thing, drink all night, wake up the next day, train as hard as you can in front of the media. Half the guys spew their guts up. And the media left him alone from that part, so they only showed the good parts of the training, so the media didn't want to crucify you back then. And that's the hard thing, so now that's why all that's been taken out of the game. It was, it should have been a privilege, like you got to enjoy the whole camp. Now, scrutinise every little thing they do, or they can't do anything. Do you still think Origin to this day is much of a spectacle as it was back in the uh, 80s, 90s, and even into the early 2000s? Yeah, definitely. I think um, the players, like the players bigger, stronger, faster, so the hits are bigger, stronger, faster, but it's one of those things that it, it is a spectacle and, and with New South Wales now starting to win a few games, it's getting better, because I know that it was, it was sort of losing its touch, Queensland were winning so much, people were actually getting over it in New South Wales, so to get that back is is great, and um, yeah, just building that concept again, that uh, hate, mate first mate, but the hate between the states is amazing. So the, uh, you're living down in New South Wales now, you're a young fella's been born in New South Wales, but Due to the uh, father-son eligibility rules, if he was to make 
origin would he be eligible for uh, Queensland or he's going to be in New South Wales? He's not playing for Queensland. So he's New South Wales one. And this is where I hate the rules. Is yeah. You're born in the state. That's where, that's where you play. I don't care. It's, um, I played so 19... It's the Rogers thing, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. What, yeah. Steve played down here and he's moved to Queensland and his son played up there, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that's no, crazy. so that... Well, that's good for us, and so hopefully we'll have a Ross playing for New South Wales. He, he you know, he's two years old, and he loves his footy. Like, he came out of Shark Park on the weekend and couldn't take his eyes off the game, so... That's good. What about your girls? Do they play as well? <clears throat> no, they play Austin. Um, that's yeah. a good stepping stone. Stepping stone. Well, the good women's rugby league's huge at the moment, so... That's crazy. So, yeah, yeah, exciting times. All right, well, you know, we know what these are. Uh, we've got a question here. We know now now know what the answer is going to be with... The way you, you, you speak glowingly of Penrith. So, 2005, you were given an early release due to salary cap issues. How'd yeah. you take that? Uh, I don't reckon I've cried as much in my life as I did that day. In, in disappointment, um, I can still remember it that Shane Richardson and John Lane pulled me into the office and said, Oh, listen, mate, we're um, salary cap really got us. Obviously, we had this young team that ended up playing, winning grand finals, everyone playing Origin and State. And all the incentivised things that were way over, and they said they literally sat me down and said, "We've gone through every player and understood how much they're on and whether you can move, be moved to another club and be better paid." And he said, "And because I, I, I was on a new contract, I was on nothing." And he said, "John Lang actually said, <clears throat> and he goes, listen, after speaking to your manager, he can move you to another club for three times the amount.'" I said, "I don't care. I want to play at Penrith for the rest of my life. I want to be like." class myself as a one club man is that that's my club and and Lange and Richo and I reckon it was over an hour had to sit there convincing me to leave the club because obviously a player's got to agree to leave yeah yeah and so um yeah I didn't want to and I kept saying no and no and Lange being a close mate of mine just said to me listen just take your opportunity go and have a look at some other clubs and come back to us and yeah it was disappointing because I always saw myself as I said that one club in, and it, it, it was all about how you wanted to play for a team. And from that day forward, I knew that rugby league was a business, and that's what, what killed me. It killed my heart in, in some other ways in regards to rugby league. And so I tell my boys now is to follow your heart. I know, I know it was a business, and you can work your business up, but just if you're not playing footy for the love of it, then why are you playing? How and why did you end up at the Sharks? <clears throat> it was it was between Melbourne and Sharks, so they were the two big players. So. Um, I probably have four premiership rings if I decide to Rookie era. And, uh, and, uh, and a boat? Yeah, and a boat. <laughs> yeah, funny enough, those things were that's one of the reasons I didn't go. But um, yeah, so I offered a really lucrative contract at Melbourne Storm and, and also a really good one at Sharks. And it's, I remember sitting in the car with Craig Bellamy in the front and I was, I was sitting next to him and my dad was in the back and he was showing me around the place and we're going through Melbourne and they showed me where I'd be living and all this kind of stuff. I said, so how far to the beach? And they said, oh, St Kilda down here. I said, no, no, Wave Beach. I said, oh, Bells Beach is like two hours. And I'm like, I could stay in Penrith and be closer to the beach. <laughs> and I look back at my dad and he's like, oh, no, I've already made my decision. So um, I wanted to be close to the beach. I love Cronulla. Um, lifestyle. I'm, lifestyle, those kind of things. It wasn't, yeah, it was more lifestyle, but then... I loved the concept of Melbourne Storm, but I also loved the concept of where the Sharks were going. And one player in my mind was the only one who convinced me to come to Cronulla, and that was Brett Kamali. So a good friend of mine now, works in the club. Um, <clears throat> really good family man. I, I, I was a bit of a shithead. Am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was a bit of a, a rat bag. I was a parent. I was always getting on the drink and just run the mark. And 
I really need to settle down. I realised that my career was going in a different direction and <clears throat> I thought, okay, I'll settle down. So Brett was one of these guys who really could mentor me into the right type of person, uh, be a role model for kids and those kind of things. And yeah, uh, rest is sort of history. I actually live next door to Notting now and or where, where he's just moved. Oh, I think I was scared him away, but <laughs> um, yeah, so... Do you- any regret around, obviously, if you did go down to Melbourne, you'd have those premiership rings, but also all that stuff would have been taken off you. Um, is, it a blessing, <laughs> <laughs> is it a blessing in disguise now that you, you feel that you made the right decision in the end, um, looking back on it? I look at it and I go, oh, one regret I have is not talking to Craig Bellamy about it more because I really admire the way he coaches teams and really would understand more about Mount. Uh, just the, the mental toughness and physical nature, I really love that. And well, that's probably my big regret. He turns journeymen into superstars, doesn't he? Yeah. Like you, you look at he the amount journeymen have gone down there in the last five, six years yeah. and they've kicked on after. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things. But no, I don't regret it because I oh, yeah, probably last later on, but um, <laughs> I'm settled in Cronulla and found my wife and got kids. I'm really settled in companies here. And I think everything happens for a reason. Um, probably one of the things I've still yet to do is um, talk to Craig Bellamy on that level to say, hey, this is the reasons why I didn't go and what I, what I did, but we never get time with him. He's in and out of every place every time I see him at footy. It's like, hey, Rossi, and he's gone. So. so obviously in the 2005, you had your early release with the salary cap and then moved into the Sharks, but you also got that prestigious award, Sexiest Man in League. How did that come about and did you score any, any dates out it. of it? Well, he killed it. No, um, <laughs> Yeah, it was funny. My manager sort of had this competition. He said, I'll jump in it. Matt Cooper's going to win it. Da, da, da. <laughs> Which probably should have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that some of my mates buddy, put in a thousand text messages to make me win. I know, I know for sure. But, um, yeah, it was good. It was, it was funny. It was all for shits and giggles. Like, we, we had a bit of fun. And my, being a single guy, like I said, a bit of a rapper, it was a chance for me to get some women and trying to find the Mrs. Ross and um, I actually Lee Furlong so now Lee Watson Shane Watson's wife was the host of the show and I met her on that and started dating her for about eight months and um, yeah I was like the boys were like you pulled a good one here <laughs> so it was, it was funny it was Patrick yeah. Marins hey yeah definitely <laughs> oh, the boys the boys me because I kept it quiet for about four months and they're like yeah you're not yourself and I'm like oh, okay and then finally came out and Oh, now we know why, but as soon as it came out, it didn't last too long because then I could be seen in public with her and all that kind of stuff. And we walked into, I'd snapped my knee in the first year at Sharks and several rounds into the comp, and I walked into the pharmacy to get some painkillers. Walked in hand in hand with Lee Furlong and looked up, and my, my now wife was the pharmacist behind the counter. <laughs> I looked at her and went, I love that burden. Literally walked out with my missus, went home, broke up with her, went back and asked her out. <laughs> she, she said, oh, sorry, I've got a boyfriend, so I chased her for the next year or six months. Yeah. Awesome. Good so story. you had mentioned you had an um, you know, so injury in 2006, but 2007 was plagued with injuries. Yeah. Uh, any part of you thought, this is it, hang out the boots, or you thought you could come back? Uh, yeah, I, I always want to... I, I never give up on things, no matter how bad it is or what it is. I, I really... No matter how, what injury, because as you said, I, I got injured earlier in my career before I made first grade, so I knew I could always come back. Yeah. It was just how I could come back, because um, I was in the Australian training squad for the test match when I did my knee in 06, 
and sales, my driving force is trying to get back in the representative teams. And I had a chat to Mel Meninga about Origin because Origin had also disappeared because of my knee injury. Uh, Queensland had won that year, and I went to Mel in 07. I said, mate, I'm playing good footy. What are my chances of making Origin? He said, well, I'm incumbency. If you're winning, they're going to be they're going to keep getting picked. So once we lose, you're going to come back into Origin. And they well, they lose for a while. They eight years. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that's sort of that. Yeah, it drove me to know that I was close enough to be at making the origins and all that again, and yeah, just never got that opportunity. So another one of the highlight reels, as we were talking about earlier, with um, punch-ons that we no longer see in the game. So 2008, you were sent off for a late elbow on Cooper Cronk, which you ended up serving a seven-match suspension, and then Brett White uh, gave you one on the chin. Yeah. <laughs> How did that one go? People don't realise that the week before <coughs> I got knocked out cold, was, I lost all my teeth, so I had a head clash with Josh Perry, lost all my teeth that are now fake. Um, so with the head concussion rule, I would have been out for probably out of 10 weeks. Uh, ended up going down to Melbourne. Ricky Stewart was like, praise you for coming back and trying to be so tough. And one of our things was take Cooper Cronk out of the game to win the game. So me not thinking straight, and I still blame a bit of the concussion. I thought, oh, he's about to kick the ball, I'm going to knock the shit out of him. But unfortunately, my, I mistimed it. So you can see in the, in the video, I go to push him. But as I mistimed it, he just clocks him straight across. So it wasn't even the elbow, it was the forearm. Um, Straight across his chest and neck, maybe and chin. But <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot of hair. <laughs> yeah, but, but you see, you actually see me in the video go, oh, I've realised what I've done. I go down to pick him up, and as I go to pick him up, I feel someone hit me. So Brett White had hit me while I was trying to help the guy out. And when I got up, <laughs> Billy Slater and Cooper Cromp and I filthy about it, grabbed both my hands, put them behind my back, and Brett White just went, boom, <laughs> so it was a king hit, and he got suspended for it, which is one of those things, and I don't blame him for doing it, he's, he's sticking up for his halfback, but probably a different story if my hands went behind my back. Bloody <laughs> <laughs> uh, grub Queenslanders. <laughs> 2009, um, obviously you, you suffer that you know that bad neck injury, yeah. uh, going to return to the field. You were thrown a lifeline by Sassy Rabidos, who gave you a contract after undergoing surgery and rehabilitation. More than two years after, you returned to the NRL in 2010. Tell us about the injury, surgery, recovery process, and all that went on um, yeah. in there. Scary, scariest moment of my life. Um, yeah. As I talk about, Ricky Stewart's one of these motivators. He always told me, if you ever get injured, get back up in the line and don't show that you're injured. And I remember that when my chin hit my chest and I felt the snap in my neck, I could still move my legs, but I couldn't move my arms. So, me being me, I decided to get up. Somehow I got up and stood against the pole because we were defending against the line. I stood against the post. And our trainer, so they knocked on and the trainer goes to me, are you okay? And I said, oh, I can't move my arms. And I felt my neck snap. And so from there, he took me inside into the change rooms on the on the stretcher bed. And I can remember distinctly that the siren going, and we beat Penrith of all teams. And as the boys were coming in, like they left the doctor's room open. I'm lying there on the stretcher with my arms sort of there, but I could wiggle my toes. And all the boys going, oh, Rossi, you're okay. It's good. They can see you moving your feet. And one of the boys came past and went, you're okay, Rossi, and tapped my shoulder. And my whole body went limp. So it pushed the, the my actual disc had exploded into my spinal cord and pushed it deeper in, so it cut off everything. So I um, went in the hospital and they actually scared me and said, nothing's wrong, you, you'll be sweet. It's only like a, a cork or something like that. And 
After two days not moving, they said, I'll re-scan you, and they found that my neck was broken in three different spots, and disc had exploded, and all this, I was probably going to be paraplegic, and the worst thing that I could ever say to anyone, you don't want to ever hear, is that they rushed me to St. Vincent's, and a surgeon, and Richard Parkinson is the best surgeon you'll ever get for necks. As they were putting me under, they, and I don't know if you guys had operations before, but when they inject the stuff to put you out, it's literally like about five seconds. You can feel going up your arm and then you're out. And um, as they did that, he turned to my wife and said, Ben, probably not walk off this operation. And I was out. So, <laughs> so that was the last thing I heard. Crazy. So, um, yeah. Crossroads at, again, crossroads at your career of an injury. Um, obviously, you're a hard man and you never give up. Did yeah. you think about retirement? Um, no, I didn't, but my wife did. Yeah. So I, um, I <clears throat> always wanted to prove people wrong and come back, and it was quite a difficult year after breaking the neck, and the surgeon actually gave me a glimmer of hope. He said, if it heals right, I'll allow you to play football again. And, um, yeah, it was one of those things that when someone gives me a glimmer of hope, I'm going to try and go for it. And I turned to my wife and said, listen, if it's right, we're my, will you support me in regards to making my comeback? She says, whatever you want to do, I'll always support you. And I suppose from that moment onwards, I just thought, okay, I'm going to try everything. And it was quite hard, so everyone knows. I went to South, and of all people, John Lane gave me that lifeline. So we sat down on a handshake agreement that he said, if I was ever right to play football again, that he'd have me in his team. And um, to his word, I had two more operations. So each time I was about to make, I remember round one of 2010, he said, you're in. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. No trials, straight in the first round, I'm going to play. He said, just go get a scan for me. I'd done all the training, all the contact, and um, he, um, he goes, <laughs> he goes, oh, just go get this scan for me. I went and got the scan, and the surgeon goes, mate, you've got a crack, still got a hairline crack in your vertebra, you can't play. You need another operation. So I had another operation. Um, <clears throat> coming to the, towards the end of the year, same thing. He goes, oh, you're in, go get another scan, another crack. I'm thinking, fuck, what have I done to deserve this? I must eat the whole family Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> it killed me. I was just like, well, someone's trying to tell me not to do it. And I turned to my wife and said, this is my last chance. If this doesn't work, then I'm done. Um, thankfully, the surgeon said, you know how I tell you to have eight weeks off after your operation and don't do anything? He said, trust me, don't do it this time. <laughs> so I was out walking and trying to maintain body fat levels. and So I laid in bed for eight weeks after my last operation and did not move. I uh, got sick of TV and everything else, but went back and the scans were fine and the rest is history. 2012, you ended up coming back here to the Sharks. Any reason why you came back here? Did you want to retire or did you just want to come back to the beach? Oh, see, Sharks fans will hear this guy. Oh, he came back because he loves the club and <laughs> everything else. And, um, they, it was quite hard. I love South Sydney. South Sydney were a phenomenal club. Uh, Russell Crowe, so much support. The boys were fantastic. But with the, the laws around all the salary cap issues again, because I played every game the year before, I was valued at a certain amount for South. But they had the likes of GI and all those boys, so our cap was too much. They said you could either sign for practically nothing, and, and then the NRL, I said yes. And the NRL go, no, you can't do that because he's valued at this much. So I had two options, to go back to Penrith or to come to the Sharks. And I always felt like I owed the Sharks something because I did my knee one year and my neck in another. So I thought if I can come back and give something in my two last years to the Sharks and, and help them get somewhere, then um, I'd be happy with my football career. 
Awesome. Um, so 2003, you retire? 2013, <laughs> sorry, 2013, you retire? I should have retired in 2013, <laughs> yeah. 2013, you retire. Uh, you also reject some UK um, offers. Was it a genuine offer? Was there an option to go overseas or you just generally thought, yeah, the body can't handle it anymore? No, no, I, um, I retired and I thought I'm set. I've, I've positioned myself really well. Literally a month into it, I missed rugby league that much. Boys are back at training, all those kind of things. And... <clears throat> I'd had a lucrative offer to go to London Broncos because I'm trying to rebuild their club around certain players and turned to my wife and said, do you want to go over there? She goes, yeah, yeah, I, I could envisage it. So I started training again. I, I dropped close to 15 kilos after I retired to all the muscle. So I had to rebuild it all back and the day before I was about to sign my contract in February, I think it was, for the London Broncos, they reneged on one, one part of my medical I think that was a sign because the same day I had a, an offer from um, Men of League to go and be their wellbeing manager there. So, yeah, I was going to play again and I would have loved every minute of it. I think um, going over to London and living the lifestyle for another four years would have been good. So, yeah, as you just said, you on the same day as you went to go and sign, you signed up with uh, the Men of League Foundation. Tell us a bit more about your role there and what it did to obviously keep you <laughs> part of the game with the older players. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things you, you always want to give back to the game. And um, I felt like that was a really good avenue where not-for-profit charity that helps everyone in the game, not just uh, ex-first graders, it's every man, woman and child. And to be offered that position, I, I felt pretty humbled. Like Ron Coote, the founder, Jimmy Hall. Um, thanks, Jimmy, if you ever listen to this, he got me suspended for about 20 games. <laughs> um, but, and I think he owed me that, so I got the job. But, <laughs> he, um, yeah, no, it's just one of those things you, you really want to get back to the game and and to reconnect with past players that I idolise, that knew they were on hard times and got to help and, and do those things. But also the common rugby league, junior rugby league player needing help. Um, yeah, it was just one of those things that I always talk about gratitude now and empathy and how that builds people. And I think that was one of the best things I could have ever done. I did that for four years, which was fantastic. Awesome. Any more arm wrestling since the footy show? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, hey, a lot of people... Always, the, the joke's always there. Like, I go around, boys go, oh, let's have an arm wrestle, ha, 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 but... You've had a dollar for every time someone said that would be a millionaire. I'll reach off. I've got some money from it, but... Um, oh, I, nearly, yeah. I nearly threw up when I saw that on the video. So, talk us through that, um, and, about, and about the recovery. So but how was Wendell after it as well? Wendell's one of the best blokes. Yeah, I know he loves himself. Like, <laughs> he is one of the best blokes you'll ever meet. So, he really cared. He was... He rang my wife and made sure the family were okay. and Because my wife thought it was a joke, as everyone on the footy show thought, like, it's a footy show. They stitch up, yeah. eh? <laughs> yeah, and so I remember ringing her straight after, like, I said, you got to ring my wife, she's going to be filthy. So my arm's out in pieces on, on this bench waiting for the ambulance to come. And they called my wife, and she literally answered, and I said, hang on, you're on loudspeaker. And she goes, what the fuck were you doing? You've just retired. Is this a joke? Please tell me it's a joke. And I'm like, it's not a joke, my arm's in pieces. And so the explicit that shot through that room. <laughs> I there were 20 people in the room. And they're like, is your missus always this angry? And I said, no. <laughs> and it's the thing, like, um, we just finished footy, everything was perfect. I never wanted to get injured again. And here I am, I just had a kid that I couldn't hold. So, you know, so obviously, you know, it was well documented that it took a lot longer to heal. Yeah, um, it's now four and a half years. Um, still a permanent nerve damage. Um, just learned to do a push-up properly, like in a different angle, so I can do push-ups now. Yeah. Haven't been able to play golf or surf in 
three or so years. So nerve damage got worse as the year went on because of the bars and all that kind of stuff in my arm. So I've taken all them out now and sort of the best it can be, but no chin-ups, no things like that. So, so yeah. what are you doing now to keep yourself obviously good? You know, you like to... Running. Yeah? You know, of all things, I hate it. But um, <clears throat> just did a half marathon last week and uh, Roy Asatasi and myself were doing a full marathon the Black Balls in another week and a half. Yeah, I saw nice. that on your social media. Yeah, so it's... um Yeah, just sort of... We try to, uh, and Roy's the same, we try to do things that uh, work on our mindset, try to put ourselves out of our comfort zone to prove to people that things can be done. But Roy and I couldn't run to save our lives. Like, if you tell us to run a lap over, we're like, nah. <laughs> so there wasn't much compensation? How did, like, yeah, were, they, were a lot of people were more? They like, were really supportive. Like, they, were, they were, they were great people. and um, But yeah, the people around it were, yeah, they, they supported where they could, but it was more workers' comps and stuff. And, yeah, a difficult situation, but nothing yet. Like, most people get injuries, and, and like, it's only a broken arm, I keep saying to people, but it did severely affect my life in some way. 100%. I still remember Fatty's, uh, Fatty throwing up on <laughs> before they used to cut it, sort of thing. So, obviously, we talk about, you know, toughest players that you're going to play with and against. Now, I believe that you're, knowing your story here today, you're probably one of the toughest players uh, in the game, but in your opinion, who is the toughest player you played with and against? See, that's a hard one. Yeah, people ask me this all the time, and I reckon every time I've given... Different answer? Different answer. <laughs> Shane Webke's one of the greatest, toughest players, and it's probably... You know, I only have one regret of letting one a player down, and it was Shane Webke in an origin match. He asked me to move to one side of A, because we were staffed out in the feet, and I couldn't move. And they and New South Wales ended up scoring down that side, and he goes, I asked you to be here for me, and you weren't. And I remember him giving that mouthful to me, and... To this day, like, I apologise every time I see him, mate, I still let you down that day. And, but he was, the size he was, like, he was my height, but double the thickness. And he had an engine on him, he was just tough, he kept going, he played with broken arms. and He was tough, he was literally tough, the toughest overall package. But then you got people like, I talk about Tony Pulitua, playing with him and seeing the people that he annihilated. And I think, I can still remember playing South. And they dropped out to him, and he ran through the whole team and nearly scored, and Trent Woodhouse scored after the win us the game. But those type of people are so tough. But going back to my debut, the scariest person I've ever played against is Steve Kearney. So he tackled me in my first tackle, busted my lip open, and he told me never to run at him again. So I went <laughs> off, got a stitch, ran at him again because I was an arrogant bugger. He literally grabbed it, ripped it open, and he said, I told you not to run at me. So my lips pouring out like a scar's way of a beard at the moment. But, <laughs> uh, and one of those things just physically dominated, just wanted to bash it at every stage. Biggest pest on and off the field? Bo Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, uh, so many people want to knock him out. Yeah. Okay, he's such a champion bloke, but he's the biggest pest in the world. <laughs> and, I mean, close second would be Bryce Gibbs. So, uh, but he would get into Bo so it'd be good so Bo would start hammering people and then Gibbo would come in behind him and smash Bo <laughs> so, awesome. some of the stories and some of the videos are just the best <laughs> um, what rules are currently frustrating in our game in your opinion how do you think we can improve them oh rules rules within the game do you like the seven tackle rule a lot no. of people talk about that yeah I don't like the seven tackle rule you know what I don't it's, it's a hard one Video ref, going to the video ref all the time. Yeah. I, I, refs are human. They're going to make errors. Just have the confidence to make your call and say, well, this is what I saw. The, 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 the slow-mo, minute by second by, split second thing. Oh, 
God, sometimes I, I just wish, and I, I know a lot of the rest, and I, I'm confident in them making a rule, and we've just got to live with it. We'll go back to this year, Kennery Cup, first game over over in New Zealand. Warriors, they were, uh, Warriors were versus Canterbury. Canterbury were given a try. It wasn't a try. But there was no replay. So no there was no play, There was a replay there, but there was no video ref, and everyone went with it. Yeah. They backed it. All right, that's a try. And, you know, that's how it was back in the day. And yeah, video refs really peeved me off. But the seventh tackle set's another one. That was only introduced for one person, and now he's retired. Who's that? Billy Slater. Slater. Oh, yeah. Kick it dead so he can't run it back. <laughs> yeah, that's what they did it for. And they said, "Oh no, you can't do that." So, caught, like, it, I would love to know the stats around. Like obviously it's momentum swing. Like you look at the the um, I look at prime example is the Warriors were winning twenty four twelve against South Sydney, and they kicked two two in a row, and then South Sydney went bang bang and scored two, and they scored a third, and that was it. It was like five minutes to go, sort of thing. It's like though, like it was those the millimeters in it can cost you a rugby league game. Yeah, well, it's average thing. average you know you average eight point nine to ten point one meters per per tackle. Yeah. And so it's 100, 100, 100 metres in the field. Yeah. Well, it takes you from a, um, like a, just a normal kick to an attacking kick. Yeah. That's a big thing. So as soon as you can put a ball on... What, make, what makes me laugh the most is, right, they'll put a ball... They'll go for seven tackles, they'll pick it up, they'll run back to the 20 within three seconds. When they, when they kick it dead and they have to do a dropout, they wait the 40 seconds. Just, yeah. That's the most frustrating thing. So... Um, but I like that. That's a good rule, though, the, the time clocks now. Yeah. yeah. Russian people. I think it's better. Yeah, no, it's it's great. Uh, Do you scrums, I, scrap them, and just get straight back into it, speed up the game, or make them proper scrums. Yeah, I didn't mind. I didn't mind the breather in the scrums. So <laughs> <laughs> it's the front row, you need them. <laughs> All right. So obviously, earlier in the year, I spoke about how we could promote the game, and even from there, we've actually gone and grown legs after speaking to Starlow and that. How would you grow the game? Obviously, it's it's a big talking point at the moment. We're in the Canola League Club at the moment. And they want to ship them to, to Brisbane or over to Perth. How do you see growing the game? Uh, I do agree in, in some ways that having a second Brisbane team, because I heard the other day that if you looked at the South East Queensland Crush's breeding ground, if they were remain in the comp and the players that came through, you'd literally have the whole Origin team. Mm. So there is room for more players there, but obviously they've gone to Melbourne. Most of them are now the Melbourne feeder, but I don't agree with taking any more teams out of Sydney because you saw what happened with the Bears. Like, yeah. You're going to lose people. So keep everyone and just extend your teams. Like, take your risk with the Perth. Supplement it. So AFL do it with their teams. Take one to Perth. Take one to Adelaide. Grow the game. Take take two different spots. You've got time zones in. So then you can... The TV deals, those kind of things. You can say to TV, well, we're giving you an avenue for every time zone so it's worth more money. These kind of things. But you've got to grow the game that way. Do you think TV broadcasters playing a role in where teams should be is a right or a wrong move? Wrong. Because... Perth's well, three hours behind. Yeah. See, but so if, if Channel 9 or whoever has the right to say where our next team goes, what happens in another five years when TV's a thing of the past and it's all internet and all apps and... But Channel 9 have made a decision on something they're not even involved with anymore. So it's yeah. one of those things I... Uh, I, I'd love to see Thursday night scrapped. I'd love to see Friday, Saturday, Sunday football. And I'd love to see Channel 1 have one game live and then Fox Sports have a total different game live. Yeah. You know, it gives you your options, all right? So you're a, you're a Sharks and a Penrith fan, and they're playing 7.30, 8 o'clock on 9. But for the Brisbane people, 
They can have Bris, Bris, you can have Brisbane and, and the new team or Brisbane and Gold Coast or Brisbane and Queen, North Queensland on Foxville. Yeah. And, you know, and then... But everyone wants to watch every game. And if, if you had two games going at the same time, you find out the score before you hit watch the second that's game. That's why they changed. That, that's why I did the 6 to 8 o'clock for... Yeah. Well, you could really bring Perth in. If you have a 6 o'clock kick-off here and be a 5 o'clock kick-off there, it'd be 8 o'clock kick-off here. It'd be perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they could even play... Well, like, it would be a, it would be a 5.30 game here on a Saturday but it could be you know a 3 you know 2.30 game there sort of thing so yeah. Saturday afternoon footy like Suns uh, Burma I think they've just got to take that risk, risk. We, we spoke to Starlo and, and I, I raised this with him because obviously the night we had him on was the night that I was talking about how I'd go about fixing the game up and I, I brought in that you combine Queensland and New South Wales and, and then you merge them and then bring them two leagues and then you had to relocate other promotion and delegation and I said to him I said would you would would you know Western, Western Rams or Bathurst area support a New South Wales Cup side with a promotion into NRL in a couple of years? And he said no, it's, it, it'd be great because what happens out in the bush is they only have under twenty three reps. After that, it's it's finished. And if they're good, they bring them down in the city, and then they get homesick because it's so different down here. Yeah. He said having an out, having a side out there that's in New South Wales or even in the NRL. Means every two weeks they're coming in and they're getting they're getting put on you know show in front of the good players and then they get used to coming into the city and still have the home lifestyle. Yeah, it's a good one. And well, PG work for Queen Q Cup, you know yeah. what I mean? Or, yeah. And then you know they've got Ron Massey, they've got Fiji coming in for the next two years. Yeah, which is great. And so hopefully they come. Hopefully they come into New South Wales. Yeah, and that's I mean they're growing the game, but I still think there's a market over in Perth. All the expats, but we have a sunny coast team got in. So second Brisbane team first before Perth, or Perth before them. Sunny coast before Brisbane. Okay, yeah. so yeah. you have three up there or four. We've got go. Yeah. Just go. Yeah. Just Do go. the Titans or keep the Titans. Keep the Titans. Yeah. You got to persist and have sunny coast Brisbane Titans, North Queensland and Perth. Well, sunny coast and and Perth then for the next two. Yeah. Awesome. Sunny coast would be amazing. Chris Flannery. So he's to see you up there yeah. now. So. so away from footy, you, you kind of alluded to that you had a couple of businesses. You want to give them a plug? Well, what, yeah, do, what so do you do, I, mate? So I run a party hire company that just sold. <laughs> 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 so handovers for the next few months, but it was epic party hire. So it was at Sydney and Melbourne based. Yep. So which is fantastic. Um, our mates have still got the Melbourne one, and our Sydney one sold, which is really good. But um, yeah, but a wife, as I said, my wife's a pharmacist, so. We're in the Blooms franchise chain. So oh, yeah. We've got Blooms pharmacies across uh, Shire and a few other places. But yeah, it's been um, pretty good. It's a, it's a learning curve. Like, uh, I never thought I'd get into that side of business. I thought I'd be doing different types of things. I've always wanted to be the CEO of a leagues club. But um, yeah, but now seeing the opportunities within pharmacies is pretty. Um, interesting. It is interesting, yeah. <laughs> Just final question before we let you go. This um, be, if we had him on about three, four weeks ago or five weeks ago, this answer might have been a bit different. But now that <laughs> Penrith have been knocked out, yeah. <laughs> who wins? Who wins 2019 Premiership and why? Well, let's hope that after this weekend, Sharks beat the Tigers. That's the big one. Um, I would love to. That's the thing. John Morris got to play with him and the boys here. Even though I say parents, my heart team, I love the Sharks. I would love nothing, see nothing more than see Gal go out a massive winner. Um, never it, been done to from eighth? Never? No. No. That's the thing. Six, I, thing six was, a, I think, the ninth. War, Warriors went the furthest one game before the prelim when they, when they beat Melbourne. 
in the, in round one. But that was the old. That was old. That was one versus eight. One yeah. versus eight. So you got a chance now. Who's fifth? We got versus the Eels. You know, in Pack Bank West Stadium. That's what yeah. I mean. It's a hard one. Look, yeah. Look, I like I said, I'd love it if Sharks were there. That's huge. But if Tigers beat the Sharks, who's your money on? I mean, that's <laughs> you, you look at the Roosters and, and the Storm. Like they're the two best teams in the comp. But mate, I, and people will Storm. I don't want to see Storm in it. And I don't really want to see Roosters in it. Again, I'm just. Go give it to two other teams. Imagine Parramatta and oh Canberra. <laughs> Canberra. Oh, oh, I love Canberra. Do the big Viking club there, like at ANZ, it'd be huge. But yeah, those things, I, I I don't really know. On their day, it could be any team. Like Canberra, know if they can get up for that one game, I reckon they can beat anyone on their day. Hundred percent. Well, I would like to thank Ben uh, for his time um, and thank Cronulla Leagues Clubs here for the hospitality tonight. Um, we wish you all the best, mate, and um, go to the Sharks this week. Appreciate it. Thanks very much Thanks for having me. All right. Here's a recap for round 24 brought to you by HQ Services Electrical and Air Conditioning, guys. It is getting the summer, and uh, it's going to get hot this week, so give them a call now or get onto Facebook. They have a Facebook page, and, uh, yeah, they will help you out with your fans, with your air con, with your lighting, uh, anything electrical. They can give you a hand there. Thanks uh, for Luke. And Jake for coming on board. Straight into Thursday, the Cowboys sealed a win over the Bulldogs in Fairworld 1-300 Smile Stadium in style with a late try in the 79th minute, running out 15-8 winners. Evening was full of emotion as the home side, Fairworld retiring prop Matt Scott and second row Scott Bolton, who will leave the club at the end of the 2019 season. Bolton was given the honour of taking the kick for goal as he was playing his final home game and nailed it. Nailed a beautiful attempt, and no doubt that will be a trivia question in years to come. The first goal of his 244-game career to put the ice in on the team, the home team's seven-point win. Man of the match goes to none other than James uh, Jason Tomalolo. Two offloads, four tackle breaks, 17 runs for 174 metres, and 30 tackles. Bulldogs coach Dean Pay was not happy with the DWZ no try. Did the bunker get that call correct, Dale? Technically, yes. There was, um, probably did bobble it. Was there enough evidence to overturn it? No. <coughs> Moving on to the first game on Friday, South Sydney will head into the final round of the regular season, firmly in the mix for a top four finish after dominant showing saw them ease past the Warriors 31-10 in Auckland on Friday night. New South Wales origin forward Cameron Murray scored a double while halfback Adam Reynolds contributed 15 points via four conversions, three penalty goals and a last-minute field goal. The win means the Rabbitohs will, at the very least, go into next week on even competition points with their nearest rivals Manly and Canberra. The win shot them through to fifth. The win shot from from fifth to third on the ladder (laughs) with... Manly and Raiders will still get to play their games in round 24. Dane Gagai iced it for the visitors with 10 minutes to play, with the Rabbitohs now to face arch-rivals the Roosters on Thursday night at ANZ Stadium in a mouth-watering entree to the NRL final series. A 90% completion rate was an icing on the cake also for South Sydney. Man of the match went to Nanana, Cameron Murray, two tries, one offload, one line break, seven tackle breaks, 14 runs for 150 metres and 27 tackles. Fifey, should the Warriors offer Isaac Luke another contract? Well, he should. He's, he's playing 
kind of great football, and they've been having trouble with their uh, with their their hookers with injuries. Uh, we did come out and say that they that he did announce his retirement. However, Fox leaked it, and he came out the next day and said, "No, I haven't. I haven't um, retired. Just haven't been given a contract. I'm open to any kind of contract available." But to be real, I don't see too many NRL clubs taking on a 34-year-old. Um, so his best bet would be over in the Super League. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the ladder falls this week, which we'll get to in our uh, preview. A Jermaine Asako field goal in the first minute of Golden Point has given the Broncos a 17-16 win over the Eels. The Broncos have one foot in the finals after captain Darius Boyd inspired the victory over the Eels in his best game for the year in the 5-8 position. The victory took the Broncos... 25 competition points, one point clear of Canella, three points ahead of Penrith and West Tigers. Uh, both on 22, the win, Tigers now on 24. The Eels showed the kind of grit that got them into the finals in the first place and did not die wondering. Man of the match, Dave Fafida, one try, two line breaks, 15 tackle breaks, 12 runs for 148 metres and 19 tackles. I've got two questions for you, mate. First one is, the Broncos back in of the season form. What do you put this down to, you reckon? Milford going back to fullback and Turpin um, playing in the halves. Second question for you, mate. Again, Monday press. Referees' bosses come out and said that the field goal shouldn't have happened. It should have been penalty. However, we've seen a lot of blockers in many years for field goals, it's just a natural thing. Should they uh, should they not come out and say that referees stuffed up because they know what the backlash is going to be anyway? Or is it time that the referees have to sit in front of a panel of interview interviewers like the coaches? Uh, I like that concept, um, referees having a press conference uh, in regards to some decisions. Um, they do it in most leagues in soccer or football in Europe, um, so why not um, have it in NRL? Early game on Saturday, Newcastle emerged from the bleak week on a grey day to thump Gold Coast 34-4 at McDonald's. 38-4? 38-4 at McDonald Jones Stadium. On Saturday, keeping their fate finals hopes alive for at least 24 hours. Well, that's dead and buried now. <laughs> Under the guidance of interim coach Christian Wolf, who replaced Nathan Brown four days earlier and in the presence of about 100 former players attending Old Boys Day, the Knights overcame a shaky start to post seven unanswered tries against the Wooden Spooners, enhancing the hapless Titans their 10th straight loss. The Knights joined West Tigers and no, they only joined Penrith Panthers on 22 points <laughs> and climbed to 9th on the ladder because of their superior for and against differential. But the Tigers and Panthers have games in hand, which Panthers lost and Tigers won. The Tigers play the Panthers at Penrith next Sunday in the last game of the regular season, but need a sequence of other results to go their way to give them any hope heading into that match. Well, that's dead and buried now. Man of the match, Connor Watson. One try, four offloads, one try assist. 
three tackle breaks, one line break assist, 13 runs for 104 metres and 37 tackles. Fifey, did the performance put some pride back in that Newcastle jersey? Not really. The team on the team on paper should have been top four. That was poor um, attendance for Old Boys Day. I know it was raining and whatnot. But maybe maybe the fans just boycott the the boys because of the season that they had, the season that was predicted. Nathan Brown. And then the way the board or one little shit in the back of the uh, the back of the the boardroom decided to. Gather up numbers to get rid of Nathan Brown. Uh, it's a sad day when a recruitment manager controls what happens in the in the in the, in the coaching ranks. Um, hopefully, Adam kicks him in the ass and tells him the, where he stands next year. Moving on, the Melbourne Storm have wrapped up a third minor premiership in four years and dealt Manly's top four hopes a massive blow with a clinical thirty-six to six win. At Lotto Land on Saturday night, the first half was a disaster for the Seagulls as they conceded three tries to trail 18-6 and lost champion fullback Tom Dravojevic to a potential... Oh, it is a season-ending pectoral injury now, guys. Uh, he's going to have surgery this week sometime. Man of the match, Justin Olem, a hat-trick, one offload, three line breaks, eight tackle breaks, 11 runs for 126 metres and 10 tackles. His family fill up the generator with diesel or unleaded in order to watch their ga- watch his games over in Papua New Guinea. That's, you know, we have people over here that are able and readily able to get to games, prefer to watch it on TV, yet you've got people in Papua New Guinea who'd give their left arm and left leg and probably left kidney to catch a plane to come over just to watch one NRL game. Papua New Guineans and the Fijians and even the Tongans and the Samoans that are on the islands that dedicate their night, you know, work all week to get that stuff, just to be able to watch one game of football, it's great. After romping Manly, mate, at, at Lotto Land, because you can't say Brookvale no more, or Brookit, can Manly win the comp without Tommy Turbo? No chance. Um, the, the stats... Speak highly, I think he's won 11 from 12 that he's played in. He's undefeated at Brookie. Um, obviously, they lost on the weekend, so he's defeated now. Yeah, I, just, I don't see them. You, you need your best players in the best positions to win a comp. What about that Palooza with the phone in his hand? The one trying to fight. Oh, yeah. Je- to... Je- now it's jeopardised Manly's home... Semi-final, which would have been great to have a semi-final at Brookvale. Idiot. Life ban? I don't think a life ban. I think he, if he had it over again, he'd probably do something different. But even a Manly... He's, he's public enemy number one. Even Manly fans, man, oh, Manly players. Manly players don't want him there now. They came out and said, I'll oh, give him a ban. I reckon maybe a, maybe a five or six-year ban might be sufficient, not a lifetime ban. They only gave out one lifetime ban, and even he's now back there, Mr. Mr. Old Skull. <laughs> he's one, one, one of the uh, St. George supporters, mate. He got given a life ban, but I've seen him at games now. Final game on Super Saturday, the Roosters have booked a top-two finish and ended Panthers' 2009 finals hope with a disciplined 24-6 win at the SCG on Saturday night. Panthers showed impressive fight to open the scoring and repeatedly take it to the Roosters, 
but just couldn't crack any further points and while they remain just two points behind eighth place Sharks, their horror points difference means even a series of favourable results wouldn't keep their season alive. The Roosters managed to control proceedings despite Cooper Cronk sitting out with Luke Keary in doubt up until kickoff due to the impending birth of his child, kicking beautifully with assistance from Drew Hutchinson. Man in the match, Sam Verrills, one try, one try assist, one offload, one line break, three tackle breaks, one line break assist and 51 tackles. Where did it all go wrong for Ivan Cleary? Oh, mate, sex takes hand away. See, was done before it even started. The boys' heads just weren't in it. You saw the first four or five weeks, mate, they were shit. And then they went on a run because uh, Origin was around the corner and Maloney had to kick his ass in the gear to, to get into that. And then they were running smoothly until James Maloney decided to say, oh, I've signed and gone elsewhere. And we didn't. We won one game in that last, one or two games in that last six, seven games since then. Mate, they sh- should have been on at least 12 points. That, no try. Uh, uh, you know, people blew up on me, me, me personal page about, uh, you know, it's the, it's the, it's what it's in, black and white, you know, you want consistency. I just want, yeah, as much as you want consistency, you want common sense as well. Blind Freddie could have seen that Tedavano could have just pushed RCG out of the way and then drilled Nathan Cleary from the side and would have been a cracker of a tackle too, but he knows it because, as we know, Chris James is over there helping him. He knows that he can just turn around, put his hands up and he'll go upstairs and he'll be put off because he put his hands on it. Not the fact that common sense would say that if he takes another three steps to the right, he's going to, he's going to drill Nathan Cleary in the ribs. Bit of common sense as well as going black and white. Like, you know, it's, it's just getting to the point where you go... All right, are we going to talk about the football or are we going to talk about the referees? So, yeah, it's just sex, sex tape and 50-50 calls, mate. Moving on to the, the game that was here at Cronulla. Halfback Aiden Caesar secured Canberra a top four berth and ruined Cronulla's farewell celebrations for Paul Gallen with three field goals as the Raiders came from behind to snatch a 15-14 extra-time win at Pointsbet Stadium on Sunday. After trading field goals with the Sharks halfback Chad Townsend in regular time, Caesar ensured the Raiders win with his third goal in the 88th minute to put the Green Machine into third place on four and against from South Sydney and two points clear in fifth place Manly. The loss leaves the Sharks now needing to beat West Tigers at Leichhardt Oval next weekend to confirm their place in the finals in a match that would that could potentially be the last four gallon or Tigers hooker Robbie Farrar, if he does play, who are retiring at the end of the season. Man of the match goes to Chance Nickel Clockstack. One try, one line break, one try assist, five tackle breaks, one line break assist, 25 runs for 249 metres. The five games they lost from goal kicking will it cost them a top eight spot though? That's Cronulla. Uh, it has the option to, yes. Um, I feel that the Tigers will probably win at Leichhardt um, in a couple of days and they'll be kicking themselves for not winning those games due to lack of goal kicking. On to the final game of round 24. 
Paul Momorowski keeps West Tigers final hopes alive with a perfect performance as the visitors finish strongly to beat St George Illawarra 42-14 at the SCG on Sunday. Momorowski, who was left shattered after missing the kick that cost his team a defeat against the Bulldogs in round 21, scored a hat-trick and kicked 7 from 7 to outscore the Dragons on his own. His 26-point haul is the second most in a game by a West Tiger behind Brett Hodgson's 30 set in 2005. Whichever team wins between the Tigers and Cronulla next Sunday at Leichhardt Oval will clinch the final spot in the eight. Man of the match, our mate, Paul Momorowski. Hat-trick, one offload, two line breaks, six tackle breaks, 15 runs for 184 metres and 15 tackles, seven for seven from the boot and 26 points for the match. Fifey, are the Tigers going to roll into the top eight? and claim that final spot. I'd like to say yes, but then again, I'm trying to remember back from a couple of weeks ago, if I did if I did tip the Tigers to make the eight, I did I did tip Cronulla to miss. So just off the back of that, I'll say yes. That's the round 24, mate. You got a play of the round for me? Yeah, Paul Momorowski. Easy. Our mate. Yeah, Our mate. yeah I can go, can't get past him. He, mate, uh, he's been playing great guns since he came on for us. We must have gave him those good goal kicking tips, eh? Hey? <laughs> <laughs> Team around? Canberra. Canberra. Top four, haven't been in, in a good position in the finals for many years. Ricky's gone and invaded England and brought over their best players, and it's paying off. Two from two, mate, this week already. I've got, I've got to take the Knights, but I can't say that. <laughs> Canberra. Canberra and Paul Morosky. What? Hands down. Tips? Oh, I don't know. Wouldn't have a clue. I didn't bother checking. I would have got a perfect round if I didn't change him. I picked the Warriors. I don't know. Catch up. Look, in the break, I'll get the. I'll go and have a check, and then I'll let you know what I went for. I picked the Warriors. <laughs> oh, you dumb. Oh, By talking about perfect rounds, congrats Aaron Rudder and John Nolan. Both got perfect rounds in round 24. John is top... Aaron is second. There's one point difference between these two claiming the final whistle. I'm going John because it's a good name and I can't have a South Sydney man win my competition. Oh, hear that, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> All good. That's, um, that's the recap around 24, guys. Stay tuned for the final whistle around the grounds. Here we are, guys. Around the grounds. It's getting a bit smaller at the moment because a lot of junior league uh, have finished or are coming to an end. However, there are a couple of knockout comps around, so make sure if you guys are listening to us and you are in a knockout comp, let us know how, you, how your side goes. We'll get into uh, Canterbury Cup, New South Wales. And the Warriors have defeated the Western Suburb Magpies 24-20. <coughs> the Bulldogs have gone down to the Dragons 22-24. That gives the Dragons the minor premiership and puts the Bulldogs in the fourth spot, which means they will verse each other again this week. So hope the Bulldogs have learnt from their mistakes. Uh, Newtown Jets defeated Newcastle Knights 34-22 to give them a win. The Mounties went down to the Mighty Bears, 19 points to 6. Our man Dietze scored a try there, and uh, I think it was Lockie kicked the field goal as well. Uh, Rabbitohs, they went down to the Wentworthville Magpies, 16 points to 26. And the Blacktown Workers Sea Eagles finished up with a massive win over Penrith Panthers, 
to have a win as they go as they went into Mad Monday yesterday. Forty-two points to thirty-four. So you know, ladder is uh, dragons, rabbits, bears, bulldogs, panthers, mounties, jets, and went with Phil Magpies snuck in. Uh, so this week, dragons will verse the bulldogs Sunday. At 110, that's a 10 or 9 game on Gem. Uh, Rabbits and Bears will play after them on Sunday at 3.15. Penrith will verse Magpies, and that's a Saturday game. There's two games on Fox on Saturday at 10.45 and 12.45. And uh, Mounties will verse the Newtown Jets out of Campbelltown. Moving on to Ron Massey. Results here. Mounties defeated Wentworth Field Magpies 30 points to 18. Brothers went down the Western Suburb Magpies 40 points to 22. Uh, Cabra lost to the Gleeberg Wolves 18 points to 20. Blacktown Workers Seagulls lost to St. Mary's 28 to 60. And the Asquith Magpies had a draw with the Guildford Owls. So the way that pans out sees Magpies... The minor premiership from for and against uh, against St Mary's in the Mounties, Asquith Magpies, Owls, Western Suburb Magpies, Cabra, and Hills Bulls. So Wentworth Hill Magpies all versus Asquith Magpies, Battle of the Magpies. St Mary's will host Mounties, and why I say host is because the games are at St Mary's Stadium both days, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Guildford Owls will verse Hills Bulls. That's a battle of Parramatta, mate. They're both Parramatta sides there. And Western Suburb Magpies will verse Cabramatta. So it's a pretty decisive there. Parramatta's got a side at first, a side at third, a side at fifth, a side at seventh, and a side at eighth. It's pretty good. Shouldn't rename it the Parramatta Ron Massey Cup. Moving on to Sydney Shield. And the brothers... Went down to East Campbelltown Eagles, 12 points to 60. Cabramatta had a massive win over Sydney Uni, 54-18. Burroughs Eagles got thumped by Hills Bulls, 10 points to 62. Asquith Magpies went down in a high-scoring affair here against Guildford Owls, uh, 40 points to 44. Sounds like a glorified touch football game. Rod Eastwood Hawks defeated Wentworth Field Magpies 32-22 and the Rams went down to St. Mary's in a close one, 20 points to 22. <coughs> as I said, as we said the last couple of weeks, the ladder was already sealed. So Cabramatta will verse Rod Eastwood Hawks after taking out the minor premiership by three points. St. Mary's will verse East Campbelltown Eagles. That's going to be a, a blockbuster of a match. And uh, Guilford Owls will verse Asquith Magpies. And Moorbank Ramble versus Wentworthville Magpies. So Sydney Shield and Ron Massey is out of St Mary's Stadium. So if you want to get um, get out and watch the, some good football, head out to St Mary's Stadium Saturday and Sunday, guys. Moving on to Jersey Flag. Warriors defeated West Tigers uh, 22 to 18, which has effectively bumped West Tigers out of the final series. The Sharks defeated the Knights in a close one, 12 points to nil. Dragons def- uh, went down to the Raiders, 26-28. Rabbitohs defeated the Roosters, 23-12. Maybe that's a sign to come this week. Bulldogs had a good win over the Victorian Thunderbolts, 42 points to 18. 
Bears went down to Eels, 18 points to 40. And the Seagulls got beat by Penrith, uh, 6 points to 42. So Sharks got the minor premiership made on for and against. They will verse the Raiders this week at Campbelltown Stadium. Roosters will verse Penrith at Campbelltown Stadium. Rabbitohs will verse Dragons at Campbelltown Stadium. And the Bulldogs will verse the Knights at Campbelltown Stadium. Uh, moving over to the Business Plaza Cup finals of the week one. Cessnock Goannas have beaten Maitland Pickers 14 points to 10. And the Butcher Boys have defeated the Lions 30 points to 24. So Pickers' season is finished. Lions will verse the Goannas and the Butcher Boys will go on to take the Rosellas, mate. Any of the uh, local stuff that we got going, bud? Yeah, a few results come through. Under 16 Silver, Liverpool Catholic Club defeated St John's 28 22 to become uh, minor premiers and premiers. Well done to the 16s out there. Under 12 1s, Campbelltown City Kangaroos won their grand final and went back to back. That's uh, Shannon Gallant's side. That's the side that had five or six boys that made school rep footy. Um, minor premiers and premiers as well with them back to back. And I believe that. They might be versing uh, St. Clair Division 1, Nathan Demenuel's side, who also went back-to-back this year. So that could be a real good trial match next year. Um, yeah, that's going to be... It's mouth-watering at, at the prospect of a trial match already. The under-11 ones, Campbelltown City Kangaroos, also um, won their grand final against uh, Liverpool Catholic Club, 22-6. So 11-1, 12-1s, um, so back-to-back grand finals there. Under 10, Cobar defeated Wellington 36-26 to progress to the big dance next week. Under 13, La Perouse defeated Holy Cross Ride 38-12 in their grand final. No overseas results this week, um, but that's the rugby league around the grounds this week. Stay tuned for the preview of the final regular game of the season, and that's round 25. Oh, there is a couple, yeah, just quickly, there is a couple of more comps going. Um, I have entered my boys into the uh, Liverpool Catholic Club. Uh, under 11s and under 12s knockout, uh, the Stanley Cup and the Stanley Shield and the Manglin Cup. So that's on the 21st of um, September. Uh, some big teams out there that we're going to be versing too. So it'll be, it'll be interesting, mate. Uh, so footy's not quite just done just yet, but it will be in a couple of weeks. Preview round 25 Thursday, South Sydney versus Roosters at ANZ Stadium. Considering the likelihood that the Rabbitohs and Roosters will meet again during the upcoming finals, it will be interesting to see what approach each team takes. Neither will want to give any trick plays away, but both would like nothing more than a, a win over the arch enemies under their belts. For either side to win, they'll need the forwards to win the battle and let the outside backs do their thing. Key matchups for me are the Battle of the Locks, Murray versus Radley. For South Sydney, it's just one change from the, the win against the Warriors last week. Tom Amoni comes onto the bench and Kyle Turner is ruled out due to a quad injury. For the Roosters, huge ins as they welcome back skipper Boyd Cordner and halfback Cooper Cronk. For their clash against their rivals, uh, Cordner's return sees Angus Crutton move back to the bench uh, and Takiyahu is out. Do a rib injury. Thoughts on the match, Wifey? Yeah, mate, it's 
It's going to be a good match. Um, my boy wants to go to it. <clears throat> I'll uh, see how we are. We might make our way out there. Um, mate, Rabbitohs win. This is Sunday afternoon football next week. Again. Oh, we'll go, they'll go from Thursday night to Sunday, are So they both will get... Ten days off. Yeah, be ten days off, recover, come back, go again. Um, because yeah, like I said, South Wind, they end up as high as third, I think, depending on how other results go. Uh, I've tipped Rabbitohs. Uh yeah, so I've I've tipped Rabbitohs. I've tipped the Roosters will be a nail biter, but be interesting to see who if they if Roosters do rest uh, anyone leading up to the game. I hope so. I hope not. I, I really, really hope not because we got a, we got a, we got a, a stack side with the boys that are actually currently in the North Sydney side, like Billy Smith, Famasuili, uh, uh, and Tupanoa. So I hope they don't rest anyone. You, you, you don't really want to rest anyone leading into a big final unless they're really injured. Uh, although Drew Hutchinson did a great job for Roosters last week, he can do a fantastic job for North Sydney this week. Awesome. If South lose, they can end up as fifth and they can only stay um, as third uh, for a win. But I think the Roosters will be a great battle. Um, let's hope that fans turn up to this game. Um, it's a Thursday night. It's a Thursday night, but it's, it's Arch Enemies versus Arch Enemies. Um, but we'll go from there. But moving on to Friday. Yeah, so moving on to Friday, uh, Eels Manly Banquet Stadium. Mainly back to life without Tommy Turbo as they head to Banquet to battle the Eels. Both clubs are semi-final bound, but there's no so there's no immediate squeeze on the result. But the Seagulls' pro, uh, progress <coughs> through September might have a shorter shorter life now that Turbo has his engines switched off for the year. Mainly have won four of the ten matches. Trevojevic has missed earlier in the season through two separate hamstring tears as further evidence of his value to decide. For the Eels to win, they will need to give more ball back uh, to the back five. For Manly, finding a game plan without Tommy in it uh, is is the key to execution. Key matchups uh, has to be the Ken Fournette medal winner announced at their presentation last night, Mitchell Moses, up against David Cherry Evans. Both lead the NRL with most try assists. For the Eels, the Eels, uh, Brad Harper has made a couple of changes. Well, personnel moves, should we say, promoting Tipo Moroa and Ray Stone to the bench at the expense of Penny Terrapo and David Gower. Murata Nakura has been named to start at lock with uh, Daniel Alvaro back to the bench. For the Seagulls, the big noted one there is uh, Brendan Elliott has slot into fullback to take over from Tommy Turbo. Also on the injured list are back row Jack Gorzowski with a knee and bench forward Morgan Boyle with an arm injury. Corey Riddell moves into the starting side and Sean Kepi comes onto the bench for his NRL debut. Lloyd Perrett also joins the bench. Dale, how do you see this one? Um, I, I picked the Eels. Um, I feel that the loss of Turbo is massive and they will play one extra game than the bottom eight this year. I think injuries is have killed their season. Injuries have all come at the wrong period of time, um, and it's the worst part of the, part of the season. What about you, mate? Yeah, I've tipped Eels. Um, Manly can go as low as six, so they're probably still going to get a home home semi final if NRL allow them to. I've, yeah, I've tipped Eels. Eels can go as high as fifth. Um, I'll stay where they are in 
six, so um, Eels for me, mate. Moving on to the second game on Friday, Storm versus Cowboys at Amy Park. The Cowboys have to travel the virtual length of the East Coast from Townsville to Melbourne in their bid to win three games in a row or just the second time in 2019. Away from becoming the third player this year to hit 200 points, joining the likes of Latrell Mitchell from the Roosters and Jared Croker from the Raiders, who have already been there. I think Mitchell's close to 300. <laughs> Key matchups for you in this match. I didn't put anything next to it because I didn't know who was going to be in and out, but we can come back for that. Yeah, I reckon key matchups would be in the halves. Uh, Brody Croft gets a chance now with Munster out with a. With an injury, I, I, I believe I saw him earlier today, mate, at uh, Lotto Land trying to find his ribs after uh, George Tafua absolutely drilled him. <laughs> so the halves for me, mate. I reckon halves. Halves will, will have to guide both sides around. Awesome. For the Storm, Munster's ruled out with uh, an injury, shoulder injury. Brody Koff comes in and he, uh, he wears the number six jersey. Jerome Hughes will be his partner in the halves at seven. The rest of the Addo Carr, uh, Sandor Earl comes in for him on the wing. The other changes on the bench with Tui Kamika Mika. Um, oh, you love that name, don't you? Comes in um, or comes back onto the bench. Where's the other one? What's the other one for you? And also rested <laughs> for um, Brendan. Uh, Brendan um, Smith gets a rest there for the Storm. So they rest three, one injury. So where's your where's, where's your favourite name for the Storm? Go on, give it a shot again. Fama <laughs> Wasili. <laughs> <laughs> For the Cowboys, just one change. Um, they beat the Bulldogs last week. Josh Maguire returns from suspension. And he'll come through the bench. And Ruben Cotter drops off. I've got the Storm in this one. Wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be surprised if the, Cow- if the Cowboys um, did win. Uh, you know, nothing They're paying really $5.50. Nothing really much to play for for the Storm, but they obviously they want to build some momentum going into finals. Yeah, I've gone Storm. Um, tempted to put a cheeky ten dollars on the round on the Cowboys to beat them one the third, uh, one the twelve. Awesome, let's go on to Saturday, mate. Who have we got in the early game? We got the Warriors uh, coming over to taste the Viking clap, mate. Uh, they're versing Canberra at GIO Stadium. The Raiders cemented the top four, finished with last week's comeback victory over the Sharks, but. Ricky Stewart was quick to keep his team's position in perspective, saying we haven't done anything yet. The truth is the Raiders have done something. They've proved that they can come from behind to beat good teams on the road. But Stewart's point isn't missed. It'll be interesting to see if the Raiders rest any stars this weekend, uh, which we'll get through the team list very shortly. I believe they have. Uh, they'll expect nothing less than a win over the slumping Warriors. The Raiders... To win, they'll need to just stick to the processes and the methods that they've been pretty successful over the uh, first 24 rounds of the year. For the Warriors, it's all about defence and attitude. We'll get to the key matchups because obviously the key matchups that we have preempted are not going to be happening. 
Uh, for me, key matchups would be the Sixers in Jack Whiten and Cody Nikarima. Uh, one's one's kind of got a running style. The other one is known to have a running style, but more more wants to to pass the ball. So it'll be interesting to see who comes down top in that battle there. Jack and Cody, also Isaac Luke in what appears to be his last NRL game, unless someone happens to pick him up. Up against George Hodgson, so that'll be another another good one. Uh, so we'll get to the changes, obviously, because there have been some changes. Uh, Chanze Nickel Clocks there, Jordan Rapana and Sia Soliala and John Bateman have been rested. So four four boys have been rested. Bailey Simonson will go to fullback. His uh, wing spot taken by Michael Oldfield, while Sebastian Christ will take uh, Rapana's place on the wing. In the pack, Hudson Young will start. Emre Gula is added to the bench and the other new face on the bench is JJ Collins who plays his second game for 2019. For the Warriors, Adam Pompey and Blake Ashford form a new centre combination in the uh, in, in the place of the injured duo Peter Hiku and Patrick Herbert. Young playmaker Chanel Harris-DeVita has been sidelined by an arm. Injury suffered in the game against the Rabbitohs. The new faces on the bench are Bunty Afoa and Adam Kieran, who will get his second or third game this year. How do you see this one, mate? Raiders, 13-plus. Warriors, dead and buried. I dare say Raiders might go on the try score and spree here and score 20, mate. But Could do, but um, it's good to see that um, you know, Ricky you know, the, he's rested some of those players and you know, if they do have injuries going to the finals, uh, they've got those players that are coming through on the bench this week just to, to blood them up and keep them keep them fresh sort of thing. But I feel for Mounties because they wouldn't be playing for them. Yeah, and that's a dual die clash against Penrith. Uh, winner winner takes all, loser goes and has a mad Monday. Awesome. Second game on Saturday is the Dogs versus the Broncos at ANZ Stadium. After a season of ups and downs and plenty of drama, the Broncos enter round 25 with their fate in their own hands. Win and they'll be on the road for an elimination final next weekend. Lose and they'll be sweating on other results of matches played on Sunday. The Dogs get the chance to play role of spoilers once again. The key matchups for me will be Battle of the Old Boys in Foran versus Boyd. Uh, both of them been in great form of recent, so it'll be interesting to see how they go. For the Dogs, DWZ is out with a knee injury. Hopawadi shifts back to fullback. Morgan Harper is making his uh, debut in the centres for the Dogs. Raymond Smith will play centre. And due to, oh, he's returning from suspension and he replaces Holland and he was out with injury. For the Broncos, Jake Turpin returns from uh, suspension. He will slot in the halfback. Sean O'Sullivan drops out. Your mate, Sebashki, has been relegated to the reserves and replaced on the bench by a... Not Jehamat. Jehamat, Sebashki. <laughs> he's replaced by Isaiah Perise. Parisi. Parisi. So... Shabaski and Parisi. <laughs> Key matchups. How do you think it's going to go? Hope it'll be interesting if um if this if Look, the dogs win and there's a draw ah, between the sharks and the, the dogs will not win because of their messiah who came to the club and said we will make the finals. He's out injured. Ever since DWZ got there, the dogs' attitude had changed, and that's the reason why they went on their win of what seven out of eight or or six out of eight, or whatever it was, 
Broncos will win. They have more to play for, I believe. That's me personally, mate. What about you? The words right out of my mouth. But I'd love to see the dogs to win and the Tigers and the Sharks to have a draw, just so the Broncos fall out. Because <laughs> they'll fall out three to four and against. Yeah, but that'd have to be 90 minutes. That'd, yeah. that'd have to be 90 minutes. That would be an epic. Imagine that. Imagine the Broncos on the edge of their seat. They should, if, the, if the dogs lose, if the dogs win, they should have like a live stream of, of all the Broncos sitting at Broncos HQ or back still in the oh, Yeah, they'll be home. Oh, I might be sitting in Sydney. Maybe, maybe they could rock up to Leichhardt and have a live feed of their reactions of like of what's happening. It'd be, it'd be pretty cool. But just, it's not going to work like that, but it would be interesting. But hmm. going on to the final game on Saturday, mate. Mate, you've got a lot of optimism there, haven't you? Oh, it's a final game, mate. Anything <coughs> can happen. Well, when you see me next week, I'll come in. For yeah, if, this, if, this, if this happens, you'll see me next week coming in all guns blazing and thinking you laughed at me. <laughs> it's, I know it's a 0.1% chance, but hey, why don't we chuck some money on it? <laughs> yeah, but we had the dogs written off, mate. We can't be going, yeah, let's go dogs. We had them written off at the start of the year. <laughs> yeah. Bloody, you imagine if we had Griffo here? Griffo uh, would be frigging biting his nails. He wouldn't have any nails left because he said that they're going to be dead last. Uh-huh. It would have been if they didn't have DWZ go across him. Possibly. Five games, five games Saturday. Who we got? Uh, we got... It's a... We need a fight button. It's a shit game. Titans versus Dragons at Seabus Super Stadium. Who would want to go watch this match? <laughs> and as you can see, mate, our, our, our preview for this match is as long as it takes for... Us to take a piss, really. The end of the season can't come quickly enough for these two teams. The side that prepares and plays in the most professional manner <laughs> will win this game. Uh, as to which side that is, it's anyone's guess. We have a flip of the coin. Mate, I, just before we go for a team list, I want the Titans to win. That way Mary McGregor gets shown the door. I reckon if Dragons win, the board just might keep on hold of him. <coughs> however, however, in saying that, Nathan Brown's available. Yeah, all right, so Titans, Callum, Wonkin, Callum Watkins has been dropped, so Tyrone Peachy moves from 5'8 to centre. AJ Brinson slots in at number 6. Mitch Rain returns from suspension hooker. Nate Peets moves to lock. Jay Arrow to prop, and I hope they sign him, otherwise they're going to have a shit year next year, to replace the injured Moaki Fotowaka. The new face on the bench is Jack Stockwell. For the Dragons, they've had a, char, a shitload of changes too. Corey Norman's back eh, from a groin injury, so he'll go back to fullback. Tristan Saylor will slot onto the wing. Zach Lomax suffered a head knock last week and seems unlikely to play, but he's been named among the reserves. Reese Robson is in the hooker for Cameron McGuinness, who broke his leg. Blake Laurie has been promoted to the starting sign, and Luciano Lelua goes to the bench. Uh, the GOAT... The interchange goat, if you watch the professor's second year syndrome, uh, he's this is this guy is the the interchange goat. He's played more games off the interchange bench across his whole career than anyone else. Uh, that's Jerry Lattimore. He gets a spot on the bench for his final game at the expense of Patrick Kafusi. Mate, I've always said I'd love to see Titans win. What about you? The dragon. I got the dragons being easy in this one. Someone's vacuuming out there. I think hitting the door. Yeah, I've got the dragons <laughs> easy um, win of this and get the Titans eleventh loss in a row. I'm going the Titans, mate. 
haven't heard that for a while, have we? <laughs> no, no, I just want to see Mary McGregor showing the door, Nathan Brown come there, and, and then Nathan Brown put 50 on fucking Newcastle next year. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be gold. Here we go. Sunday, Tigers versus Sharks. Like I know, after weeks of speculation surrounding the final makeup of the top eight, it's hardly surprising that the battle for the last spot in the playoffs is going down to the wire. The Tigers couldn't have asked for a better venue to play such a high-stakes match and will hand to Sunday's do-or-die showdown, reasonably confident after convincing wins in the past two games. Benji and Brooks are in good form, while Josh Reynolds has had a positive impact off the bench, making the most of his late-season promotion into first grade. Cronulla only have themselves to blame for last week's extra time loss to the Raiders as poor goal kicking has cost them victory once again. For the Tigers, very interesting. They've named a 21-man squad with number 20 jersey Mbaye being named and 21 Robbie Farah. Josh Reynolds is still being named at hooker. Ryan Madison goes to lock and Arthur Hurzen back to the bench for Sharks. Uh, Sean Johnson is back, Fecky is back, Kyle Flanagan is out, Matt Moylan is also back, Jack Williams is the new face on the bench, replacing Jason Bercuya. How do you see this one going? Who's going to take the final spot? As we just, I think we, we spoke about it earlier, I'm going to go Tigers here, I just hope the Tigers can win. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who drops off the interchange bench should uh, Robbie Farah play. It'll probably be Matthew Eisenhoof. Uh, yeah, so that'll be interesting. I'd love to see the Tigers come out in a predominantly gold and black or orange and black jersey. Like uh, the last game for potentially for Robbie going into the finals. would be great to see the old... Uh, Orange and black of the Tigers at Leichhardt run out. It'd be, it'd be great. I, like I said, I've tipped Tigers. I hope Tigers will win and end the end Sharks season. I think Tigers too. Let's go. Let's go. Sunday. This is the match we're all waiting for. For us, anyway. It's got no bearing on any finals. But it will determine who's happy and who's sad come next Tuesday on the podcast. Panera first nights at Panther Stadium. It's a case of so near yet so far for both of these sides with the finals out of reach for 2019 yet again. The Panthers fell short of emulating last year's finals finish while the Knights failed to live up to expectations after being widely touted as top eight, certainly even top four before the season kicked off. They enter Sunday's season-closing clash on the same number of points and basically playing for bragging rights. Panthers veteran James Maloney will be playing his final game before an NRL game before jetting off to France. Uh, they won a premiership together with Roosters in 2013 and had many battles as opponents. On Sunday, James Maloney and Mitchell Pearce will go to head to head for one last time. It's strange. This is the only side that he has not taken to a GF, James Maloney. Uh, he took every other team he's been a part of to a GF except for Penrith. 
Wade Egan will start a hooker with Sione Katoa dropped to the reserves. Jerome Luai has been named on the bench, while Josh Mansell has been included among the reserves as he tries to return from a back injury for one last hurrah for 2019. Lachlan Fitzgibbon returns to start inside, and Guerrero shifts to the bench. Only other changes, Kurt Mann named on the bench at the expense of Jacob Asayafiti. Mate, we were meant to be at this game together however my son's ball boy duties takes a higher rank than to watch Penrith play for ninth position so I won't be there mate uh, will you still be there and you'll be there to watch Penrith win 13 plus <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there it's old boys day for Penrith local game for us I could yeah Rossi might be out there so it'd be good to see any boy out there? And um, yeah, we're good. Just nice and close. Support the boys. Hopefully, build some momentum uh, onto next year. Um, just while we're on talking about the Knights, boys kept secret in rugby league. Obviously, the Knights announced yesterday uh, that Adam Adam O'Brien will be their new coach in 2020. And it's not a performance based. It is a contract until the end of 2023, I think. It's a long contract. Nah, 2022. 22, is it? Yeah, 2020, 2021, 2023, I think it is. Mate, like I, like I said earlier, he's just got to boot that recruitment manager and get some other recruitment manager in there that's actually going to back him and not undermine him. It's exciting times. Obviously, he's... Yeah, I've heard this before too. It's exciting times. Exciting too. times. He's come... He's been understudy down there in Melbourne. Understudy at Roosters, probably the two best um, coach sides in the NRO over the past decade. Um, but let's see... What he brings. Um, they've gone out because they want a high caliber coach and that ticks all the boxes. Let's just hope that he ticks all the boxes and can lead. Without a doubt, top eight has to be next year. Well, and you've got to build on that and then top four. And I feel with great recruitment, um, if you're there, thereabouts for the next couple of years, um, he's got to win a premiership in the next five years. Yeah, well. For Penrith, we need a bit more mongrel in the uh, forwards and from all reports that are going around, we will get that in the shape of a Jared Weir Hargraves who is apparently in talks with Penrith. I've seen that rumour. I'm guessing... Uh, the rumour's been... The rumour's been going around for about... No, no. It was there about last year too. More, more so, a lot more this year with a lot more legs on it. Um, look... We all know Roosters have the sombrero, but at some stage they have to get rid of their players. Um, and yeah, Jared would be a, an excellent addition in the forwards. Show some of these young forwards how to play with a bit of mongrel, as we saw this year. He's spent a couple of couple of couple of uh, weeks on the sidelines with a uh, fair few suspensions. From Bondi to Penrith. Yeah. God's country, mate. <laughs> look, look at it. In a couple of years' time, mate, you can fly out of Penrith and piss off around the world, mate. Exactly. You can't say that from Bondi. Bondi, you have to go down into the city to go there. You, you spend 45, 50 minutes. 10 minutes, mate, you're on a plane. Awesome. Before we finish up, mate, you got some mentions? Yeah, contents mentions, guys, like we normally do. We get our news from nrl.com, newsouthwales.com.au, country rugby league, newsouthwales.com.au. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Wingham Tigers. Uh, them, along with Group 3, we might be doing more in-depth stuff like we do, 
with the Canterbury Cup and that next year I've been speaking to Craig Martin from up at Wingham Tigers so that might be happening as well so getting the country rugby league stuff down in here to, to the Sydney boys and girls so we can keep in touch with what's happening in the country uh, for more information you can listen to our podcast on the Anchor app Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify Google Podcasts or you can hear us up on Facebook www.facebook.com forward slash the final whistle RL Instagram the final whistle underscore RL email us on the final whistle RL hotmail.com Thanks for tuning in and please share our podcast with your rugby league friends, families and community. Uh, Thanks again and to our lovely partners. We'll see you tomorrow. We're going to go and live it up at Cronulla League Club for the night, Dale. What do you reckon, mate? Let's go. (laughs) Catch us all later. And that's the final whistle.